Hi, everybody. This is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, the sequel. We'll call this special holiday episode Day 125, even though I have no idea how many days it's been since I originally began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. If you are looking for my food story told in real time about how I slowly let go of 50 years of compulsive dieting and binge eating and moved on to a life focused on living versus eating, listen to shows 1 through 120. Today's a special update featuring creative work by Mark, me, Fiona, and her hubby Matt. Donnie calls in some fun holiday jokes for foolish fun, and Sue from the UK gets a new phone for Christmas and uses it to send us her holiday greetings and an update about her hometown. Music, stories, and a new holiday song by Josh Woodward, all coming up. This episode will be a little different, because instead of letting something go today, I'm going to embrace one old and one new thing for the new year. So instead of our usual inspirational snippet by Josh Woodward, I'm going to embrace my old friend Bravery by singing you a song I picked in memory of my dad, who loved his German heritage. Here's my take on O Tannenbaum. That was tough. Longtime BCs and listeners know that I had an absolute phobia about singing in public when I started the show. I used to say, 
Public speaking, death, taxes, pshaw, that's nothing compared to singing. It was truly my worst fear. One of the best things about doing Compulsive Overeating Diary is that your acceptance gave me permission to be brave within myself, to try the untryable, to risk the unriskable, to boldly step into situations that might bring me joy or disaster, and to not let the outcome stop me from finding out who I am inside. One of the things I discovered that resonates inside me is the fact that I am a singer. I love to sing. To be a singer, you don't have to be flawless. In fact, this recording was done at my voice acting coach's studio in an actual sound booth. He asked if I wanted Auto-Tune, a software help to push your recorded notes where they ought to be. I declined. Not that I wanted to hurt your ears, dear brave companions, but I wanted you and me to hear how I really sound today. Afterwards, David, my coach, and an awesome singer himself sent me this email. Lori, try to find the moments you do really well as well as the spots you can improve upon, smiley face. Remember, almost all recording you and others hear from the last 10 years are auto-tuned. Yours is not, and you are pretty well in tune about 70% of the time and are never extremely out of tune. Hooray! <laughs> to sing 70% on pitch when I'm scared to death singing in a recording studio for the first time and trying not to slaughter the German pronunciation is awesome! I know you BCs hear this all the time from different people, but it's true. If I, Lori, can sing and let you hear it, then you yourself can do anything too. Pick your worst fear. Spiders, heights, public speaking, and that is what singing in public was for me. In acting class, my teacher asked, Do you sing, Lori? I told her, I want to say no, but I'll say yes. Wow, that was a powerful moment for me. Those words work for me in many situations. Now, I don't mean for eating treats you aren't really hungry for, but learning to trust yourself to grow and find more joy. This is what I replied to David's email. Thanks for all your hard work helping me to sing a song. My dad would be really thrilled to hear me sing this. And for me, my ear isn't good enough yet to hear out of tune if it isn't obvious, so I sound really good compared to where I came from. I can hear my nerves except for verse 3, which is my favorite. I think it is because I did not have the lyric with those notes there and had to just trust that I knew the tune. Then by verse 4, I had time to get really nervous again. Could be I would sing better completely off book with no notes at all. It's all about trust. Hmm. Probably my New Year's resolution. I've got bravery down. Now time to start trusting I can do things like hit a friggin' D when I need to. And dear BCs, that's when it hit me. 2015 was the year for bravery. 2016 will be the year of trust. When I look back on the origins of my compulsive eating and how I learned to feel that I wasn't good enough, I realized that I don't trust people to like me. And because I don't trust people to like me and what I do, I internalize that so that I don't trust me. I don't trust me to get the good relationships of the people that are truly interested in me and don't just want something from me. 
I don't trust that I can actually hit a D, which I can. I hit a D all the time when it's in the middle of a scale, but make it the most high note of a song, and oh my goodness, it freaks me out. You know, I'm freaked out by a lot of things, like, man, am I gonna eat every bag of chips in the store? Will I eat all the candy if I open the box? Can I be trusted to really eat when I'm hungry? Because, you know, all the messages that I've told myself all of my life are, no, you cannot trust yourself. When you do what's in your heart or when you play it by ear or when you are vulnerable to somebody, you get screwed. You get fat, you get used, you get left, you are lonely, people stop wanting to deal with you because the minute you aren't turning yourself inside out as a pretzel to serve them, like we've talked about before as a people pleaser, the minute you stop doing that, these people in your life want nothing to do with you. Well, to some extent, that's true. If you're a people pleaser, you might tend to feel comfortable around people that will take advantage of you because that's a way you can have a 100% for sure relationship, right? If you find somebody who really wants you to be taking care of them and giving in to them and hearing their stories and not interested in your stories, well, you've got an in that feels very comfortable for someone that has some self-esteem issues about standing on their own. At least, I'm speaking for me here. That's what I found to be true. But as I've been exploring myself and exploring doing these brave things, I realized that it's okay, like, Last show, I recorded for you my real comedy bit that I did in the comedy club, and parts of it was really good, and some of it I wish I did differently. You know, but that was brave, and that was doing comedy in a showcase with friends and family. So in some regard, it wasn't like doing it quote-unquote for real. I don't trust myself yet to get on a stage and say, you know what, I'm going to really go to open mics until I get great material, and then I'm going to try to go to a place where people haven't paid <laughs> that know me, that want to hear my comedy. That's a tough one. Just as to actually put this song, Otanabam, at the start of the show, knowing that I'm out of tune by an expert ear, 30% or more, is tough because I want perfection. I want to hear that song and hear perfect, but I have to trust that you're listening to Compulsive Overeating Diary, the sequel, because you either are curious or you have some relationship with me from hearing the other shows, or you're just nice people. And I suppose you can fast forward if you don't like my singing, but I think most of you who are listening appreciate that I'm letting you hear how I really sound when I'm singing. Now, I'm not letting you hear as much how I really sound when I'm speaking, and I'll probably sound a little more stilted today because I'm using this podcast recording as an opportunity for me to do what I normally do for voice acting practice. So I'm trying to turn my head off mic when I need a breath. If I hear a sound I don't like, I'm trying to re-shoot or re-record to clean it up a little bit to make, even though this is a podcast, something that is closer to my quote-unquote broadcast sound. Now I realize in some ways that takes away some of the intimacy that we've shared, but one, it gives me practice, and two, that means you won't have to listen to as much of my breathing and so forth in your headphones when you're listening. So I hope it's a win-win for us. But back to the trust. I have to trust 
that I can improve in my voice acting. I have to trust that there are people out there who would love to hear my voice on their ad or in their audiobook or on their phone system. Hey, if you're one of them, let me know. I'd be more than happy to do your hold <laughs> hold thing for your for your small business or even your home. Hey, I want Lori from Compulsive Overeating Diary to say, sorry you missed this call. They're not here. I would do it, right? Because I have to trust that somebody out there is going to like what I bring to the voice. My goodness, that was a scary thing to say. I have to trust that somebody out there will love my voice for their recording purpose. And you know, brave companions, as I say that, I believe it. I believe that as I practice and I continue to pursue voice acting for real, I will find that first person who says, you know, Lori, I want your voice because how it sounds and how it communicates what's inside you because every single voice actor and any actor period actually what they're doing when they're being believable is they are bringing parts of themselves to the the things that they're saying off the script so whether I'm selling toothpaste or doing a public service announcement or saying please press 2 to leave a message that's all part of me communicating with the world so it's very tough to put that out there time and time and time again and hope that someone wants that but I know it's true I know it's true I can feel it in my heart that it's true I feel it in my heart like I felt like I ought to stack up those stones on the mountain like I felt like I should start a podcast I feel it's true I'm on the path for me, and I will continue to practice, and I will trust that what's meant to be will be. And I don't have to be afraid, because those people that don't want my voice won't. But if I give up, those that do will never have the chance to hear it. I'm going to start to trust myself in 2016 just like we have the bravery hotline and the bravery report, for myself, I'm going to start my own internal trust report. Hey, Lori, you did good. You trusted yourself there. You trusted this person there. I'm going to build that muscle of trust until it's just one more building block into the excellent life that I mean to have as long as I'm here on this earth. Now, someone I can 1,000% trust to come through when I need encouragement or participation or just a good joke. Let's hear Donnie's holiday humor with foolish fun. Lori <laughs> <Laurie> presents <laughs> foolish fun. <laughs> the feature where messing up is just part of the act. <laughs> Hi, Brave Companions. It's Donnie in Washington State. And when I listened to Lori's episode and she said she was going to do a fabulous, fun holiday episode, I couldn't miss the opportunity to be famous, even if for a little blip. So I thought I'd call and share some foolish, fun riddles with you this holiday season. 
what do lions sing at Christmas? Jungle bells. Ha! And how do snowmen get around? Well, on their icicles, of course. Now, here's a good one for you. What does Santa call the reindeer that won't work? Yes, you guessed it. Dinner. And, of course, for those of us who live with a little bit of fear deep down inside, what do you call the fear of getting stuck in a chimney? Yep, Santa claustrophobia. Woohoo! Happy day, brave companions, and I hope everyone has a happy holiday season. Foolish fun, 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 fun! <laughs> and if you love to be foolish too, call the Bravery Hotline and get your silly on. <laughs> Jungle bells, Santa claustrophobia. <laughs> I love those jokes. Smooches to the max, Donnie. I hope 2016 will bring you so much joy and that you will find many ways to appreciate the awesomeness inside and out that those of us who love you see. Another bit of holiday bravery comes from my dear friend and hubby Mark who shares live the writing process we use in our writing group in this original holiday story. Well, BCs, as part of my holiday gift, I asked Mark if he wouldn't write a story in the same way as we do in the writing group. So can you explain to the BCs how you started to write this story? Well, Lori got four envelopes and put four different props in each envelope. And I picked the... Um, a prompt from each envelope. And so that gave me four prompts, and that's what I have to write the story with. Does this story have a name, honey? Yes, The Forgotten Gift. Okay, BCs, I'm going to hear it for the first time with you. So please enjoy Mark's story, The Forgotten Gift. Grandpa, tell us a story. Okay, I know some good Eastern Valentine Day stories. No, no, we want an Xmas story. Well, Xmas is still a week away. I would hate to spoil your appetite for Xmas stories so soon. Please, please, Xmas story. Well, okay, I will just tell you about a just before Xmas story. Santa has to visit all the girls and boys at Xmas. But Santa also knows a lot of friends he has known for many, many years. He cannot visit them all, so he had to find a way to pick each year who he would visit. He fashioned a huge map, placed it on his work table, put the names and pictures of all the friends he would like to visit two nights before Christmas. Figured in order to spend enough time visiting, he could see ten of his friends. He told the top toy elf of his plans. The elf was impressed with the craftsmanship of the map, how all the names and pictures blended into a beautiful winter forest scene. 
The elf said, but how will you select the names? Santa said proudly, I will, pit it, I will put it on the wall and throw darts at it. You know how bad I am at darts. It will be completely random and fair. The elf seemed upset. Santa asked, what's wrong? The elf said, you will be putting holes in all your friends' faces. Santa said, I suppose you have a better idea. The elf smiled, his eyes so bright they reflected the green of his suit. Santa said, green eyes are always a good sign. Yes, the elf said, this is, a, this is wonderful. I forgot to get you a gift. Now I can make you one. Santa said, I can't wait. What is it? Santa, you know better than that to ask. It will be a surprise. Santa ho-ho-hoed, and the elf was off to his gingerbread forest house to make his gift. One last thing, the elf said. Leave the map on the table for now. Santa wondered, what could this gift be? Maybe the elf would make even a better map. Of course, the elf liked the one he had made. What about leaving the map on the table? Probably some elf trick to keep him from figuring out what the gift really was. The elf returned the next morning with a huge box. Santa started to open the box. As he pulled on the ribbons, he heard sleigh bells. He thought to himself, hope it's not bells. He got the box open and it was almost empty. He continued. There at the bottom of the box, a beautiful golden string, plus another object. Santa said, this is so unbelievably well made and decorated. Santa cried for joy. So for Santa, that just meant deeper ho-ho-hos. He said, let's try it out. He wound the string around what he considered to be the new precious gift, set it on the table, pulled hard, and watched his shining spinning top select the names of the friends he would visit this year. Aww. That's so cute, honey. So tell everybody, how long did it take you to write this story? Uh, probably about 30, 40 minutes. Same as we would do in the restaurant. Yeah, same as we do in the class. And describe what you were reading out of. Oh, I'm reading about out of my notebook for the class notebook, yes. That you wrote longhand. And what were your prompts? My prompts were spinning top... You forgot a gift. Elf. And gingerbread forest house. <laughs> well, that was a lot of fun. Do you have anything to say to the brave companions? No, just Merry Christmas and enjoy. Life is short and this is a good time to have a good time. <laughs> okay, and Happy New Year. One thing I find inspiring about Mark's story is that writing was an accidental pleasure for him. He came to the writing group to give me a ride one night and has kept with it. Mark now loves writing and is learning to trust in his creative self. 
And even more amazingly, he is just now starting to trust that we really think he is a wonderful writer. He writes from one of the most unique and naturally funny places we've ever heard. And Mark's stories are so looked forward to in our group, we usually ask him to read first. As Mark said to us in his recording, now is a great time to have fun and try something new. And keeping in the vein of celebrating new things, great for this time of year, our resident songwriter, Fiona, shares with us another new song she wrote. What's also new is that her song is a duet with her hubby, Matt. Please enjoy Fiona's new Christmas morning song. Recording. I like the ooze during the the, the bridge. Yeah, the yeah. Do you go and shake? Right, just keep going. Take two. This. Take two. <laughs> what do you do? Tell me, what do you do when you're the first one up on Christmas? Do you go and shake each present? Do you imagine all? song. It so captures how I felt, and honestly still feel, when the excitement of presents and lights and holidays come to life in the hope of Christmas morning. And what I really love is that Fiona gave permission to let us listen in at the very beginning, so we can all feel part of Fiona's family holiday fun. Smooches to you and Matt. Thank you so much for sharing your holiday talent with us today. As I talked about in my trust segment earlier on, part of what I do on a daily basis is to find things to read aloud to practice my breathing and acting in front of this mic. Frankly, like I told you, I hadn't been all that happy with my breathing, so I do this quite a bit. And so 
I thought for the holiday season, it would be fun to practice by finding a Christmas story. And I found this really touching one in Piccola. So I decided to share it with you here on this update episode. And I hope you enjoy this touching story as much as I did. Little Piccola by Nora A. Smith, suggested by one of Mrs. Celia Thaxter's poems. Piccola lived in Italy, where the oranges grow, and where all the year the sun shines warm and bright. I suppose you think Piccola a very strange name for a little girl, but in her country it was not strange at all, and her mother thought it the sweetest name a little girl ever had. Piccola had no kind father, no big brother or sister, and no sweet baby to play with and love. She and her mother lived all alone in an old stone house that looked on a very dark, narrow street. They were very poor, and the mother was away from home almost every day, washing clothes and scrubbing floors, and working hard to earn money for her little girl and herself. So you see, Piccola was alone a very great deal of the time. And if she had not been a very happy, contented little child, I hardly know what she would have done. She had no playthings except a heap of stones in the backyard that she used for building houses and a very old, very ragged doll that her mother had found on the street one day. But there was a small round hole in the stone wall at the back of her yard, and her greatest pleasure was to look through that into her neighbor's garden. When she stood on a stone and put her eyes close to the hole, she could see the green grass in the garden and smell the sweet flowers and even hear the water splashing into the fountain. She had never seen anyone walking in the garden, for it belonged to an old gentleman who did not care about grass and flowers. One day in the autumn, her mother told her that the old gentleman had gone away and had rented his house to a family of little American children who had come with their sick mother to spend the winter in Italy. After this, Piccolo was never lonely. For all day long, the children ran and played and danced and sang in the garden. It was several weeks before they saw her at all. And I'm not sure they ever would have done so, but one day the kitten ran away, and in chasing her, they came close to the wall and saw Piccola's black eyes looking through the hole in the stones. They were a little frightened at first and did not speak to her. But the next day she was there again, and Rose, the oldest girl, went up to the wall and talked to her a little while. When the children found that she had no one to play with and was very lonely, they talked to her every day and often brought her fruits and candies and passed them through the hole in the wall. One day, they even pushed the kitten through, but the hole was hardly large enough for her, and she mewed and scratched and was very much frightened. After that, the little boy said he would ask his father if the hole might not be made larger, and then Piccolo could come in and play with them. The father had found out that Piccola's mother was a good woman and that the little girl herself was very sweet and kind. So he was very glad to have some of the stones broken away and an opening made for Piccola to come in. How excited she was and how glad the children were when she first stepped into the garden. She wore her best dress, a long, bright-colored woolen skirt with a white waist. Round her neck was a string of beads and on her feet were little wooden shoes. It would seem very strange to us, would it not, to wear wooden shoes? 
But Piccola and her mother had never worn anything else and never had money to buy stockings. Piccola almost always ran about barefooted, like the kittens and the chickens and the little ducks. What a good time they had that day. And how glad Piccola's mother was that her little girl could have such a pleasant, safe place to play in while she was away at work. By and by, December came, and the little Americans began to talk about Christmas. One day, when Piccola's curly head and bright eyes came peeping through the hole in the wall, and they ran to her and helped her in, and as they did so, they all asked her at once what she thought she would have for a Christmas present. A Christmas present, said Piccola. Why, what is that? All the children looked surprised at this, and Rose said rather gravely, Dear Piccola, don't you know what Christmas is? Oh, yes, Piccola knew it was the happy day when the baby Christ was born, and she had been to church on that day and heard the beautiful singing and had seen the picture of the babe lying in the manger with cattle and sheep sleeping all around. Oh, yes, she knew that very well. But what was a Christmas present? Then the children began to laugh and to answer her all together. There was such a clatter of tongues that she could only hear a few words now and then, such as chimney, Santa Claus, stockings, reindeer, Christmas Eve, candies and toys. Piccola put her hands over her ears and said, Oh, I can't understand one word. You tell me, Rose. Then Rose told her all about jolly Santa Claus with his red cheeks and white beard and fur coat and about his reindeer and sleigh full of toys. Every Christmas Eve, said Rose, he comes down the chimney and fills the stockings of all the good children. So Piccola, you hang up your stocking and who knows what a beautiful Christmas present you will find when morning comes. Of course, Piccola thought this was a delightful plan and was very pleased to hear about it. Then all the children told her of every Christmas Eve they could remember and of the presents they had had, so that she went home thinking of nothing but dolls and hoops and balls and ribbons and marbles and wagons and kites. She told her mother about Santa Claus, and her mother seemed to think that perhaps he did not know there was any little girl in that house, and very likely he would not come at all. But Piccola felt very sure Santa Claus would remember her, for her little friends had promised to send a letter up the chimney to remind him. Christmas Eve came at last. Piccola's mother hurried home from her work. They had their little supper of soup and bread, and soon it was bedtime, time to get ready for Santa Claus. But oh, Piccola remembered then for the first time that the children had told her she must hang up her stocking, and she hadn't any, and neither had her mother. How sad! How sad it was. Now Santa Claus would come and perhaps be angry because he couldn't find any place to put the present. The poor little girl stood by the fireplace and the big tears began to run down her cheeks. Just then her mother called to her, hurry Piccola, come to bed. What should she do? But she stopped crying and tried to think. And in a moment, she remembered her wooden shoes and ran off to get one of them. She put it close to the chimney and said to herself, Surely Santa Claus will know what it's there for. He will know I haven't any stockings, so I gave him the shoe instead. Then she went off happily to her bed and was asleep almost as soon as she had nestled close to her mother's side. 
The sun had only just begun to shine next morning when Piccola awoke. With one jump, she was out on the floor and running toward the chimney. The wooden shoe was lying where she had left it, but you could never, never guess what was in it. Piccola had not meant to wake her mother, but this surprise was more than any little girl could bear and yet be quiet. So she danced to the bed with the shoe in her hand, calling, Mother, Mother, look, look, see the present Santa Claus brought me. Her mother raised her head and looked into the shoe. Why, Piccola, she said, a little chimney swallow nestling in your shoe? What a good Santa Claus to bring you a bird. Good Santa Claus, dear Santa Claus, cried Piccola, and she kissed her mother and kissed the bird and kissed the shoe and even threw kisses up the chimney. She was so happy. When the birdling was taken out of the shoe, they found that he did not try to fly, only to hop about the room, and as they looked closer, they could see that one of his wings was hurt a little. But the mother bound it up carefully so that it did not seem to pain him. And he was so gentle that he took a drink of water from a cup and even ate crumbs and seeds out of Piccola's hands. She was a proud little girl when she took her Christmas present to show the children in the garden. They had had a great many gifts, dolls that could say mama, bright picture books, trains of cars, toy pianos, but not one of their playthings was alive like Piccola's birdling. They were as pleased as she and Rose hunted about the house until she found a large wicker cage that belonged to a blackbird she once had. She gave the cage to Piccola, and the swallow seemed to make himself quite at home in it at once, and sat on the perch, winking his bright eyes at the children. Rose had saved a bag of candies for Piccola, and when she went home at last with the cage and her dear swallow safely inside of it, I am sure there was not a happier little girl in the whole country of Italy. Oh, I really like that story. In fact, I played this story for Mark, and he actually loved it and even complimented me on my reading of it. A Christmas miracle. Mark doesn't give out compliments, so if you ever get one, it's a treasure. I loved how this story illustrates hope and trust and how the world can seem wondrous with that point of view. I truly enjoyed Piccola, both as a reader and as something to read aloud. Sue from the UK got a new phone for Christmas, and she used it to record this holiday update. Hello, this is Sue from the UK here. I want to wish all the brave companions a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is a traditional way of saying things in the UK. Things have been somewhat overshadowed this season by the fact that my beautiful city of York is underwater with massive flooding. Uh, many businesses and a lot of homes evacuated. Fortunately, our home wasn't affected, but many others have been. Anyway, I hope your holidays have been much less eventful. Have fun. Dear Sue, thanks so much for sending us your greetings, and all of our prayers and thoughts and good vibes are winging their way for your city of York. Flooding can be so devastating and discouraging for the people who lose so much and then have to clean it up and start again. I so hope that 2016 will be more gentle on your town. I also have a Christmas wish that you will continue to find joy as you have with your awesome new quilt making skill. Last year, Sue decided to try quilting and I've so enjoyed seeing the fruits of her labors on Facebook. 
even though we didn't begin the show with our usual inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, we can't end our year without him. Please enjoy one of his latest creations, My Christmas List. So until our next update, BCs, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and have a wonderfully happy and brave new year. My New Year's wish is that we can all learn to trust who we really are and to bravely try new paths to joy. Take care, everyone, because I really, 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 really care. Just want a little 